the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. I think a lot of it is just we have so many clients that are all needing our attention, that are all, all wanting something from us, and it's hard to meet all their needs. A lot of it, we, we take home a lot of the stress to our families, our wives, our kids, and it, it takes a toll on us. I mean, I, I even sometimes, like, I'll, I'll be at home and I'll be thinking about all my cases, and it's very stressful. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. You're back on the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. Hey, Jimmy, what's going on, bud? Good morning, Tyson. Good to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Same to you. We've got three topics we're going to talk about today. So two of them are somewhat depressing. One of them is really good. It's going to be a great tip on how to increase your reviews. You want to introduce the other two topics? Yeah, so in the Facebook group we were talking yesterday, CNN published a piece, broadcast a piece called Why Are Lawyers Killing Themselves? And we posted it to the Facebook group and you and I were just talking about it off the air. The article is pretty upsetting. Um, I knew that suicide is a problem for lawyers, but I didn't necessarily know that it was as prominent as it is. I myself have had several attorney friends kill themselves in the last couple of years. One of my old mentors named Paul uh, Passanante, he owned his own firm. He was doing very well, a medical malpractice firm doing uh, very, very well. And he was always sort of a mercurial fellow. He, he would have times where he was really happy and the times where he was really sort of in a dark mood. He had a great sense of humor and he taught me a lot about plaintiff's work and he's a great, great lawyer. But a couple of years ago, he went up on top of a parking garage and, and shot himself. And so I've always known that this is a problem. I think this is something that lawyers and other people don't really talk about that much, suicide in general, but I think it's an important enough topic for us to talk about here today and, and sort of help give our listeners an avenue to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think that in that article it says that attorneys are the fourth on the list of professions of the highest suicide rates, and it's it's really shocking to hear. And you're right. I mean, Paul Paul was one of the like big PI slash med mal attorneys in St. Louis. I mean, and he's highly successful. And then there was a criminal defense attorney about a year and a half ago that also um, shot himself. It's 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 really sad, and I. I, I often think about whenever it happened, I thought about, you know, what 
to drive them to do it. And that, it, a lot of it is just, I think a lot of it is just we have so many clients that are all needing our attention, that are all, all wanting something from us, and it's hard to meet all their needs. And I, I really think that that stress, and, and I think there's things outside of the actual firm, uh, there are personal issues going on as well, but I think a lot, a lot of it, we, we take home a lot of the stress to our families, our wives, our kids, and um, it, it really is, it, it takes a toll on us. I mean, I, I even sometimes, like, I'll, I'll be at home and I'll be thinking about all my cases, and it's it can be very stressful. And I, there are a lot of resources out there that I think that people need to reach out to. And, I, and I'm glad you're bringing up this topic because I think it's, it's something that it's important for us to point out. It's not all doing our taxes or marketing or working on case files. There's other other things going on in our lives. So I think it's, it's an important topic to bring up. And I just want to encourage people that if you've got issues, especially in Missouri, I know Missouri has, most bars do have uh, phone numbers. They've got services you can reach out to um, that are usually free. Uh, so I, I really encourage people, if you've got issues going on, make sure you reach out. I think that with lawyers, in particular, and with my friend Paul, for sure. I think that what makes us good lawyers sometimes is our intensity. I think lawyers are pretty intense people for the most part. Obviously, there's all kinds of different kinds of people, but especially in litigation, when you're in that lifestyle, you are someone who brings a lot of passion to your cases. You're sort of strong-willed. You're willing to go to fight with other people. And I think that sometimes you can turn that inward on yourself and it just sort of eats at you. And I, I think that there's still, even in 2017, a big stigma about mental health. I think health insurance doesn't cover it like it should. And I think that people aren't getting the treatment that they need. I do think that the Missouri Lawyer Assistance Program and other similar programs around this uh, country are really important. I've been in therapy for a long time, and I, I, I think most people should be in therapy, especially lawyers. And um, I just think that we need to really knock down these walls um, because we all have moments of darkness and moments of self-doubt and depression. And, and, and depression is a real pathway towards suicide. I think that depression is not necessarily logical. Uh, it's much more chemical. And in the article, they talk about one attorney who was coming, you know, his kids were leaving the house. He was in his mid-50s. He was generating 600K a year in legal fees. So objectively looking at him, no one would ever think that he would be someone that would kill himself, but yet he was. So I think that we just need to pull off that scab and, and let everybody just sort of acknowledge that this is a real thing. In the article, it talks about how in our profession, it can be very adversarial at times, most of the time. And with physicians and things like that, they've those professions, they're working as a team together towards a common goal. And we as attorneys are not that way. We are we're adversarial. We're, we're going against each other. And so my thought on that is, is that I know that we're in an adversarial system, but don't take it home with you. And don't take things personally. Whenever you, you've got a adversarial proceeding with another attorney, don't take it personally. Just it, it's part of the job. Don't take it home with you. And don't hold against that other person. So my my thoughts on that. You want to get on to the next topic, or do you have some more? Do you want to say about that? No, I'm ready to talk about the next topic, and it's not nearly as sad as that one. But it did bum me out last week, and and I I thought that it's something that we could talk about here. So a couple of years ago, one of my buddies who works at a big firm referred 
a local smaller university to me to help with their immigration work. And I've been handling their work for about a year and a half, and I've gotten really great results for those clients. Um, the first case I got hired to handle was a case where someone's H-1B visa had been denied. They had appealed it, and it, it had been denied. And I put together a new package, refiled it, and I got that case approved. And I've gotten some really good results for the clients, but I've always sensed that they thought that I was not responding quickly enough to their needs. And one thing I'll say is that business clients, when it comes to immigration, are just different than than individual family-based clients. They, they do sort of expect that that high level of touch that, that sort of the bigger firms offer. And so last week when I was out meeting with my clients, they told me that they were making a shift to one of the bigger law firms in town to have, have them handle their immigration work. And so, you know, I had a, a range of emotions. Um, one was that I was certainly sorry that I hadn't met their expectations, even though I'd gotten them really good results. I think it's a lesson too, for me, in that I've been stretched. I've been really stretched and I have been slow in getting back to them. And so I could storm off and blame them and send them a mean letter or just, I could have lost it and just gone off on them because of the cases that I've won for them. But at the end of the day, that's all on me. And so I've just sort of had to sit with that for the last couple of days. And I thought I'd share it with you and, and the listeners to one, let everybody know certainly that I am far from perfect. I got a lot to learn still. And two, I think that it's, it's a, it's a clarion call for me that I need more help, more support in order to be able to provide that kind of service to the clients that need it. Yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts on that. The first one is that maybe you sort of got outside of your niche and maybe you shouldn't even really be diving into that area. I may be wrong about that. The other part of it is that results don't matter that much. I mean, you, I guess it, it's you've done a really good job for them. And sometimes it's the handholding that matters with clients. And so results don't matter as much as we think they do. I think that, and this is just me, I may be completely wrong about this, but um, just based upon this one scenario, and maybe moderately good results plus a lot of hand-holding are far better for a client than really great results and no hand-holding. I don't know if that's true. I'd like to see some sort of study on that, but I think the fact that you were sort of outside your niche sort of created the issue where you couldn't handle as much because you were doing these other things. I think that if you were only working with business clients, then this probably would not have been an issue. What are your thoughts on the niche part of it, though, since you sort of stepped outside of your niche a little bit? A couple of things. One is the per- my contact at the university flat out said that, Jim, you're a great attorney. You do great work. I think that you do your your focus though is on family based immigration and and that we need someone who's focused on business based immigration. It's not that I couldn't do the work. It's just you know Amani and I interviewed an associate a couple of weeks ago who worked at Fragerman, which is the biggest immigration law firm in the country. And this person spent all year doing immigration work for one client, one corporate huge client, and and she had a team. There were like five. Uh, two attorneys and three paralegals that did nothing but work for this one firm. So I think there's something to be said for that. I also think I jinxed myself because the night before that happened, Amani and I were watching Better Call Saul and Saul's or uh, Jimmy, Jimmy McGill's partner. She's an attorney and she only has one case, or one client, and she does all of her legal work for this one client. And that night before this conversation I had with the university, 
I said to Amani, I said, can you imagine just having one client and having all your eggs in one basket with one client? And what happens if they get rid of you? Now, I don't, that was not the case at all with this university for me. We have a ton of open matters and, and incoming cases and all that stuff. And this is really why I went out on my own in the first place, because when I was doing the PI defense, we had three clients and we had three attorneys and I was always worried. I didn't want to be beholden to one attorney. So I did sit with it for about 24 hours and I was, I was upset and, and sort of kicking myself. And I, I, I think, I think our friend Joanne Holmes would be good to talk to about this because I think she deals with sort of these big corporate entities like universities and, and, and corporations who, who do need that level of handholding. But I think your point's well taken that, that, it's not necessarily outside my practice area and that I, I know how to do the work. I'm, I'm certainly competent to do it. But as far as the way that clients expect to be handled, I think that's something that I wasn't necessarily used to. And I'd imagine, I don't, I don't represent businesses at all, but I'd imagine, and you have to tell me whether this is true or not, but I'd imagine that the business clients probably need more handholding. Is that right? For sure. I, I kind of figured. So I, I figured they sort of want the white glove treatment. All right, well, let's move on to the next one because I, I think the next topic is, is awesome. The results you got were ridiculous. And I really think that some people are not going to believe the results. I think that they're not going to think that they're legitimate, and they are legitimate. I'll say that right now. But you did something that is just – I mean, you told me you were going to do it, and I didn't believe that you were going to do it, and you did it. So I've teased this enough. Tell everyone what you did and then how you did it. Well, it's interesting because I think the part of this was a result of me being pissed about losing that, that university client. But our friend John Fisher has a mastermind group and a Facebook group attached to that mastermind group. And John will periodically post contests and things like he wanted, he invited everyone to try to have lunch with someone once a week for a month or two. And He's always giving these little challenges. He had a YouTube channel and a Facebook Live channel, uh, uh, YouTube contest and a Facebook Live contest to see who could do it the most and those kinds of things. So about a month ago, John posted that he was going to have a contest to see who could get the most Google reviews in 30 days. And I meant to participate in that, but I was just sort of busy. And I knew that if I put my heart into it, that I would win because I had a plan on how to do it. And so I should probably back up and tell you a little story before I get into this. So when I was in high school, when I was a senior in high school or a junior going into my senior year, they had a student council election program and student council election. And I wanted to run for a job called internal affairs commissioner. So that means I was in charge of all the parties and dances at the high school. And I, and I ran for that spot. And when I ran for that spot, we had like 200 kids in our class. And this is back when we had dot matrix printers. And I, I wrote out on my computer one letter to each of my classmates and I delivered them. I did direct mail when I was in high school. I had a buddy in each homeroom distribute the letters to everybody the day before the election. And I won in the landslide. So I wanted to do something similar with John's contest. So the new contest was whoever could get to 100 reviews first on Google would win a free ticket to the next mastermind, which is on September 7th in Washington, D.C. at the office of our friend Seth Price. By the way, anybody who's interested in that should really think about going. It's really going to be a special one, I think. All of John's mastermind groups are special, but this one's going to be great because it's at Seth's office. So I'm really excited about that. Anyway, my plan was that uh, in Infusionsoft, I have tagged over the last month or two 200 of my so-called champions. And 
my champions are people who refer me all the time, who never ask me for anything, who I love working with, who sort of preach what a good job we do for people and, and really have been allies of the firm. And so what I decided to do was send a very short email to each of those people. And this is based on a class that I took, a course that I took with Dean Jackson called Email Mastery. And Dean has a, a concept called sending a, a spear email, a short, personal, and expecting a reply. And I made it look like it came from my iPhone and it basically said, hey, Tyson, comma, can you do me a quick favor? And then it said, I'm in a contest with some other lawyers. The first one to get to 100 reviews wins a free ticket to this mastermind. Can you help me out? Here's the link. And I sent that out on Thursday morning. And by Friday night, I was up to about, I, I had started with 18, so I was way behind. John Fisher had about 70, Seth had 80, and Bill Calarulo up in New Jersey, they had about 90. And I kept texting you during the day as my numbers kept climbing. And by Saturday morning, based on nothing but that email and some Facebook targeted just messages that I, I sent directly to clients and attorney friends, I got the reviews all done in about 48 hours. I went from 18, now I have about 118. So I got about 100 in, in 48 hours. That is, that is just incredible. So did you get in any pushback at all from these emails that you sent to your, your top 200? Oh, no, no, no. Everyone was like, happy to do it, love to do it. I hope you win. I mean, I think that one element of the email was the contest itself, that that really motivated people in a way that was different than just asking for a review. I think that I sort of got people engaged with it and they were all sort of rooting for me. And these really are, these really are my friends. I think a lot of past clients have become friends. And I also think that I had a lot of goodwill built up with these people and I don't ever really ask them for anything. So even people that I've just given advice to by email, some of those people were willing to help. And so I also, I have a, a private Facebook group for a lot of our immigration clients and friends. There's about 430 people in there and we got six, six reviews off that. So all in combination, it really worked out well. Did you send these through Infusionsoft or did you send them just regular, uh, regular email? Yeah, I sent them through Infusionsoft, but I made it look like it's just a simple text email. Okay. So for, for the listeners that don't have Infusionsoft, don't fret. I think what you could do is you could just copy and paste your list into a blind carbon copy and send the same email. You're just, it's just not going to be as personalized. So I guess you could also manually type in each one of the emails and do it that way. But that's great. I told you I wouldn't do it until – because I wanted you to tell me so bad. So I, I told you I didn't care about the competition if you just tell me, and I wouldn't do it until the competition was over. And the competition was over at probably 36 hours from the time you told me which is incredible, but I'm going to do that this week. I'll have to come up with some other competition that is for, I don't know, maybe my competition that I've got to beat Jim Hacking and get more uh, more uh, reviews of them. Because I had double the reviews you had, and then now you're killing everybody. I mean, it's, 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 it really is great. But something that uh, Gary Berger does that's been on the show, it's really, really smart, is that while he is teaching one of his CLEs that he teaches periodically, in the middle of it, He'll let everybody know, hey, check your email. You've just gotten a request from me for review. So if you've, if you've gotten something good from this CLE, please leave me a review. And he's got a ton from that. So that's another little trick on how to get reviews easily. But you were going to say something? The other thing that got me sort of motivated was I saw a post that Google is giving greater 
weight to people that have a lot of Google reviews. So that was another thing that sort of kicked me into gear. Yeah, that was Larry Weinstein. He actually put that on the Facebook page, I believe. And that, that's, I, was, I was wondering that about that myself, and I, I don't remember, but a couple weeks ago I'd mentioned that on the podcast, and then he posted the article, and sure enough, I mean, so that, that's got to be, it has to be an emphasis for, for everyone if you want to get moved up into Google. All right, so you want to talk about your tip of the week? Yeah, I've got an interesting book, and it's got an interesting name. So I don't know how I feel about the name, um, but it's called The 48 Laws of Power. Have you seen this book? No, it sounds like a Tony Robbins kind of thing. It is by, it says, from the author of The Art of Seduction, Robert Greene. And it's, it gives these different principles of power. And it's really, really, I, I've gotten through about, I don't know, half of it. And it's sort of the reason why I'm uneasy about it. It's 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 manipulative. It really is. It it just tells you how to manipulate people. It's sort of in a way, um, just written differently. It's like the Robert Cialdini book of influence in a way, um, where it gives you the principles. But um, in influence, he actually goes through the science and everything else. This one doesn't do this. It just tells you what the principle is, and then um, how to manipulate it really. So it's it's an interesting book. It's an interesting way on on how to view things. So I recommend it. Say so don't take advantage of it, but it's it is really interesting. My hack of the week is also a book. So when we went to InfusionCon, you know, I became friends with James Ashford, that guy that advises accountants over in England about how to build their practices, and he recommended a book that has really been terrific. I think you're going to like it a lot. It sounds a lot like John Fisher and the and the kinds of things that we talk about as far as getting demand for our for our service it's called oversubscribed and it's a it's a pretty simple book written by a guy named daniel Priestley, and i really really recommend it it's 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 about how to build demand in your firm and it talks about ways that you can make it so that people really view you as someone who is in high demand and they feel lucky to get you as their attorney um it's not written for attorneys but in there he talks about you know one of my favorite restaurants in town is Pappy's, and Pappy's has a line out the door whenever you go there to eat. They they are oversubscribed, and so um, because of that, people think, "Ooh, this barbecue must be so good because that yeah, people are standing in line outside the restaurant in order to get in." And I think that this book posits that we can build sort of similar systems into our firm to allow our clients to to find us to be oversubscribed. That Pappy's example is such a good example. So it was really interesting. I don't know if you remember. There used to be a restaurant right next to it. And I think yeah. what they're thinking was, or actually, there was a series of restaurants. And I think every time a new restaurant would move in, they would think, oh, I'm going to get overflow from Pappy's because people aren't going to want to stand in line that long. And it was always empty. And mm-hmm. what eventually happened was is Pappy's ended up buying that space and expanding into that restaurant, that restaurant space. Uh, and because the the demand, I think, I remember the first time I went, I was like, "This is ridiculous," but it really is that good. And the, but the the demand, it you can just tell like everyone's enjoying it, everyone loves it. So that's mentally, people think, "Oh my gosh, if everyone else is liking it, then I must have, I must need to like it." So it's a good example. Oversubscribed, and who is the offer? Daniel Priestley. Has he written something else? I think he's just a marketer from England. Okay. All right. Well, anything else? Um, a lot of lot in this episode, but anything else you want to talk about? That's it, bud. All right, man. Well, everybody have a good week. Appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you later. 
Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.